The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Well, it's been quite, quite a week, week. <laughs> you know. The Chiefs pitched a perfect game. Mahomes joins Brady and Montana as the only two quarterbacks ever with multiple MVPs and multiple Super Bowls. And he's 27 years old, and he's been a starter for five years. Multiple season MVPs. And multiple rings. And he's 27. He's been a starter for five years. This level of sustained dominance this early in one's career is pretty special across all sports. We should bring Angelo Cataldi back on because he said that he would tell us if Andy Reid or Nick Sirianni was the better coach after the game. Right. I cc'd you on the email to Angelo Cataldi. Um... Uh, this, the subject line, interested in coming back on? Question mark. What did he say? Hey, he said, no thanks, Matt, and tell Danny to go f- himself. <laughs> we are going to be in a, a space that we haven't really operated in for a while where the Bears are going to be at the center of off-season conversation. Every year, somebody emerges as Ryan Pace to trade up perhaps unnecessarily. I think you're right. Knowing that we're going to have to find a young quarterback to develop, do you stay put? Do you trade up? There's many things you can do. Trade um, back. Yeah, trade back. So um, he likes that'll picks. Be a, that'll be a Twitter freaking quote. <laughs> he likes picks. Uh, uh, although the Alabama guy doesn't look bad, I tell you. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> I love it. Jason Lockenfora reported. He said more than one NFL general manager came away from the Senior Bowl fairly convinced that Justin Fields will be dealt. Then here's my guy Colin Cowherd having some loud Justin Fields opinions yesterday. Put your pom-poms down in Chicago is moving off Justin Fields. He's more YouTube star. Sensational plays, but the little stuff... Footwork, accuracy, I think you have to consider it. You could get something wonderful for Justin Fields in trade and get yourself Bryce Young if you love Bryce Young. You want Ryan Poles to consider it because you want him to consider everything because Ryan Pace didn't consider everything, and we crushed him for that. So it is not an insult to Justin Fields to consider Will Levis, to consider Bryce Young. I think it's overwhelmingly likely that he won't do it because you could get more for the number one pick, because the number one pick could bust, because there isn't a clear-cut for-sure thing. Scott Pioli. Would you be tempted to draft a young quarterback to reset the rookie contract since you are so far away as a roster? Or would you build around Justin? I came from a school of thought that started with Ron Wolf. You take a quarterback every take year. Right? Every year. I go back to the time of the Patriots. Brady was drafted in the sixth round. Let's be clear. We didn't think we were drafting the starter when we drafted him. Close to every year, we drafted quarterbacks. And they create a different kind of currency. You can create value. So to me, yes, if there's an opportunity to draft a quarterback and he's a guy that you think fits your system, fits your culture, heck yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Take care of my boy, Poles, will you? Wani wanted a Super Bowl gig, and a member of the mob invited Dave to his Super Bowl party. <laughs> I had Tony get a whiteboard and had markers. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, I was already in my mind to start talking ball. And I says, is anybody interested in talking about this quarterback run-pass option and the whole thing? Everybody, you know, just mm, never really bit into that. They know? wanted the story. Oh, does this guy know how to party or what? Huh? 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 Yeah, we call today Feel Good Friday, so I'm trying to stick to that, you know? (laughs) I like it, I like it. The Parkinson Spiegel Show. Friday, baby. Afternoons on the score. Fun week. A lot of strong sports talk this week. I think we're going to be considering what the Bears are going to do with Justin Fields in the number one pick. 
a lot for the next couple months. What do you think? Three o'clock. That's right. Locked and loaded, benchmarked for you. Our Bears thought experiment of the day or Bears hypothetical of the day or angle that we look at with Rumor. The, yeah. Yeah, there's just, whew, man, it's too bad we couldn't name it. Although Shane and Chris dig into the draft. Yes. It's pretty good. Today at three, it'll be how far down are you willing to trade in the first round? How low can you go? That's right. So that's coming up. Uh, in 30 minutes, but you, my friend, are making accusations I of am. insider trading I against am. sports royalty. I think so. I don't like it. I think so. You'll, you'll understand exactly why I'm why I'm getting there once we hear uh, the former Cubs big boss Theo Epstein, who was on with Mully and <sighs> this morning about all the new rule changes. There's some good stuff in there, and, and he, he included a shout out to, to us. No, to me specifically. No. <sighs> To one of Tanny and Shane's favorite, well, certainly one of Tanny's favorites and one of my favorites, a guy who, spoiler alert, will be in my top 30 favorite ballplayers the last 30 years. Oh, that's a long tease. Yeah, I got a reference. Okay, Uh what do we got? Hey, this is a really well-paced game. It's like Mark Burley sticking for both teams. That that, (laughs) that would be just a success. That's what he's planning to do with all these rule changes. He wants them all to come together and coalesce so you're watching a game and you feel like Mark Burley's pitching for both teams. That would be awesome. I mean, Theo's going into the Hall of Fame for his accomplishments as an executive. Mm -hmm. But if he gets baseball to be a quasi fast paced game where the average length of game time is sub two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. He's a miracle worker. It's, it's all going to come together and I think it's going to work like the rate of violations that are going to happen early is going to be awkward and people are going to lose their, their crap. Like pitchers are going to be upset Hitters are going to be upset. Hitters got to get into the the box with eight seconds left on the 22nd pitch clock and acknowledge to the pitcher, I'm ready to go. So you got 12 seconds to get in there, and the hitter has to be thinking about the clock too. They're going to be pissed. Pitchers are going to be pissed. But then they're all going to get over it. They're all going to get over it, and you're going to end up with something pretty special. Here's Theo then on what uh, type of adjustment period he's expecting and how it's going to kind of adjust as we go. I think there is going to be an adjustment period. You know, we saw that in the minor leagues. It was about a three- to four-week adjustment period, um, and, and, we, and we actually polled minor league players too. It was 8,000 minor league games that, that we wow. experimented with for these rules, and we polled the players as well as the fans. Hey, how long did it take to get used to this? What did you like? What didn't you like? And you know, the pitch timer is a good example where there were, you know, multiple violations per game, um, which, you know, results in an automatic ball or an automatic strike, depending on, on, on who, whether it's the pitcher or the hitter uh, who's the guilty party for the first few weeks. And it started to slowly go down. And after three, four weeks, there was between both teams combined less than half a violation per game on average which means, you know, if you're following your favorite team, there's an automatic ball or automatic strike levied against your team on average just once, after, once every four games um, after the adjustment period. So it's, it's not, you know, once the adjustment period passes, it's not something that should interrupt the flow of the game. In fact, you know, another way to judge the success of these rules is if they're even noticed at all. And my hope is that after the adjustment period, which is spring training and then probably into April, you don't the same way when when you're watching 
you know, an NBA game, you don't notice the shot clock all the time. All you notice is a great rhythm and flow to each possession and the ball going up and down the court. Hopefully you won't notice the pitch timer. All, all you'll notice is, hey, this is a really well-paced game. It's like Mark Burley's pitching for both teams. That, that, <laughs> that would be just a success. I love it. Somehow I hadn't thought of the NBA shot clock parallel but how often do you think about, man, is, you know, the 24-second shot clock? Or college, you know, a lot of us lived through the adjustment from no shot clock to the 45 and then the 35 in college. Do you even think about it uh, I mean, anymore? You, 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 can, you think about it. If there's a violation. If there's a violation and as it gets close. But I'm surprised that you hadn't thought about it because I, I thought about it, and this won't surprise you at all, in the context of sports media, a thing that I study religiously and obsessively, but, like, Pardon the interruption, the most successful show, Yeah, they have a countdown clock on the timer. And so it's like, oh, I don't care about them talking about Wimbledon, but in a minute and 30 seconds, they're going to be talking about the NBA finals or what, or whatever it is. Uh-huh. And it, it keeps it moving. It keeps a pace. And then you get some anticipation for when it's going to go. And of course, that's the case in sports with a shot clock or a game clock or anything like that. It. As the clock is ticking down, oh, man, mm-hmm. is he going to throw the pitch? That's going to lead to anticipatory mm-hmm. excitement. A buzzer beater is an exciting thing. Yeah. Oh, he got that pitch off right under the buzzer. Sure. Like they, it adds an element of intrigue to it. Like I, I don't know, know if I'll believe that like we won't ever notice it because I assume it'll be graphically present. Oh, just, it'll definitely be graphic. Just, it'll just be... like it is in basketball. Sure. So it's, so it's there, and it just becomes part of it. It but, just becomes part of it. But the idea that, like, my guy's on deck, I'm not going to have to wait too long to see him. Or my my the, the guy that I want to see is on the other team. Well, this might actually go quick. They might get through this inning pretty quick because, look, they're already throwing the pitch. Or, like, oh, he already threw over to first once. He can't, he's, not gonna, he's only going to throw over there one other time because of this rule. I'm not going to have to sit here and wait while he throws over to first base nine times. This will be good. I just think in general, if a clock is counting down to something, if you're doing a 30-minute Peloton workout and you see that you only have two minutes left, yeah. you can see the finish line. The anticipation builds for it. So as things, right, Man. It, it, it gets exciting. Dude, I did 30 minutes of cardio this morning for the first time in a long time. Good and for I was, you. I was like, whew, yeah, that's, that's not coming as fast as I thought. No, it's a long 30 Woo! minutes. It's a, long, a lot longer than an episode of television. <laughs> It's, funny, it's true, right? It doesn't make any sense. 30 minutes of TV, 30 minutes of cardio. 30 minutes of cardio is a longer 30 minutes. Episode of TV is 24 minutes, usually. Yeah. Maybe 27, 28, something my, like that. My point more was that 24 minutes of TV is, is, Goes is, is faster than 24, 24 minutes, of minutes of cardio. Of, of cardio. That's yeah, true. I, I wasn't accounting for the commercials. That's true. Um, here's Theo talking about the overall style of play that's going to be affected by pitch clock and this other stuff. We're so used to now, you know, the pitcher taking a stroll around the mound, the hitter stepping out, adjusting his batting gloves and everything else <laughs> between pitches that I think is just going to be a breath of fresh air um, resulting in, you know, better pace of play, get everyone home 20, 30 minutes earlier. And then importantly, also a, a, a better version of baseball. And we saw in our, in our experiments in the minor leagues that with the pitch timer, once players adjusted to it again, after those three, four week adjustment period, pitchers actually threw more strikes, with the pitch timer because there's locked in more and, and, and more efficient hitters swung the bat a little bit more often uh, fielders uh, were locked in and, and in, in the game and therefore made, made better defensive play. So just, just overall a crisper, better version of baseball. So yeah, that's probably the one I'm most excited about. So that, that's interesting to me that just like out of habit and out of rhythm, 
Like, here I am. Well, it's time for me to pitch. You know, maybe I'll just throw a strike here. Or, like, the batter's like, well, you know, here comes my pitch. I'm locked in. I don't have to reset and rethink about it. Maybe I'll go ahead and swing at this. And the fielder's like, I think I'll look at me. I'm making a more a routine play because I'm locked in and I'm not, like, asleep for 35 seconds. It all makes sense. Also, like, the it's going to be tough to hit max velocity as a pitcher. If you don't have as much time to gear up between pitches, especially for relief pitchers. I was bummed that the Cubs couldn't sign Max Velocity. Yeah, he year. was good. It's really good. A value signing this offseason. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know true. if it goes in line with the rules. Um, Theo talked about Max Effort, Max Velocity, and Max Effort, who are unrelated, but that kind of pitching. Well, yeah, there is the- data out there that um, increased time between pitches, um, enhances pitcher recovery, and, and, and what – what, what that leads to, though, is more pitches thrown at max effort. And there are studies out there that demonstrate that the, the, the single most dangerous thing you can do as a pitcher um, is throw really hard with max effort often. And, and, and so uh, you know, what happens naturally and, and what we used to see in the game back when pitching was more of an art and less of a display of pure power, which is what you see now, is pitchers would modulate their effort. You know, that back then it was a goal of a starting pitcher, not just to miss as many bats as you could for five innings and get out of there, but to, to get really deep in the game. So you'd see pitchers coming out throwing, you know, 89 in the first inning, and then in the big spot they'd ramp up to 93, 94 and, and, and modulate their effort. You would – You'd see an occasional, you know, first pitch sinker down the middle. They could try to get a ground ball and be efficient, or a one-one sinker down the middle, just get pitched to contact a little bit. Which you don't see anymore. Pitching has evolved for a lot of different reasons um, into more of a pure power display, where where just about every organization and every pitcher is trying to go out there and, and miss miss a lot of bats. So with the slightly decreased recovery time between pitches, what we expect to happen will be that you know pitchers will modulate their effort a little bit more. If you don't have 30 seconds between pitches to make every pitch a Broadway production and, 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 and throw as hard as you can every single pitch, the art of pitching will come back a little bit more, and, and you'll see a little bit, little bit more finesse and a little bit more modulated effort into the game rather than pitchers redlining it all the time and pushing themselves to the, to the brink of injury. I think it's great stuff. I think it's going to work. It's surprising that you thought that Max – Effort and max velocity were, were related because related, normally different it's last names. different last names. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's that's fair. You guys like the idea of the art of pitching coming back as opposed to the uh, max effort guys the entire time. You good with that baseball humans. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I just want to stop calling people just because there's a phrase that has a person's name in it. I'm kind of done with the bit. Oh, really? Oh. This, oh. Is, this is me not being yes ending. You want to you want to go home? <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask him that because he's just gonna go. Yeah. Um, anyway. did, didn't you do the I saw them at Metro? Yeah, you did. Yes, that's, that's, not a person, that's not a person's name. That's something that could be a band name. But, oh, that's, right. not, but that's not a bit that's been that's, driven no, into the ground. No, it's the same thing. That's a group of people. <laughs> I can see Max Velocity, though, being a band name. Max also. Velocity yeah. would be a pretty good group to see at Metro. I like the old stuff. God. I'll say it right now. Five years, he's the commissioner of baseball. I disagree. I, I disagree. In five years, he will be the owner of the San Diego President. Padres. Oh, yeah. Padres. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, oh, the, the owner of States? America. Yeah. Yeah. He, will, he, will, he, he will either be the owner 
I think he will be the owner of a baseball team. Either the owner of the Padres or the owner of the Boston Red Sox. Okay. I think you will be the owner of an expansion baseball team. Ooh, interesting. That's my... Whoever goes to Vegas or Nashville. Correct. Mexico. The Mexico Theos. (laughs) Mexico Theo. Or or he will be the future of the Democratic Party. One, one One of those four. Tandy said president. Yeah. Yeah. In any event, yeah, I like the old school pitchers going deep into a game. <laughs> yeah. That's what I liked about Tony La Russa. Low key, Johnny Cueto, Dylan Cease, let them go and uh, let them throw. That's yeah. what I say. Yeah. It's on my shirts this But spring. it's not going to change. We've talked about that. Like what Greg Maddox talked about in his Hall of Fame speech, that he was so he had so much longevity because he played every sport when he was growing up and his, all of his muscles were activated. Mm-hmm. That's happening less and less and less and less. Guys will still get hurt. Yeah. No, no question. Uh, the tie-in from what we just heard, to how the Cubs built their team next on the score. From area code 630, my vote for bum of the year. Jeffrey Epstein for not hanging on to Joe Madden. <laughs> Theo Epstein was on the Mullion Hall. You should check out the entire conversation on the Odyssey app, uh, the Rewind feature of the podcast page as well. But uh, So we just heard Theo outline the rules, uh-huh. the changes, yeah. what he thinks it's going to highlight within the game. Let's understand what the rules are. Let's do it the right way. Let's still have fun. Yeah. And you were thinking about the Cubs the entire time, Mr. WCUB. Typical. Here's the thing. You know what would be good to put together with the new rules coming and with the effect of the rules as Theo describes it, as the minor league has seen it? Yeah. Would be good to have a pitching staff Full of dudes who know how to modulate their effort and vary the Mm. speed and timing and pitch to weak contact. Guys who are steeped in that and aren't going to be like super upset that they can't go max effort and throw it as hard as they possibly can every time. It'd be good to have a pitching infrastructure that thinks about it like that and it's cheaper to put together a pitching staff full of guys like that who might not miss bats as much as the max effort guys. That sounds like the Cubs plan and rotation and the way they've chosen to spend their money. Number two, you know what you really need with the shift restrictions is a really good athletic shortstop caliber second baseman. Who's super capable? You need like two shortstops, essentially. You got to think like, like you have two shortstop caliber guys out there because that second baseman, man, he's going to have to be, you know, really athletic and good at making plays on the edges and fearless and him having a big arm will be really, oh, that's interesting. That fits the way that the Cubs went about this thing. As soon as they realized that Nico Horner was a legit shortstop, let's still go ahead and get one and just move Nico over and he's cool with it. That that's two. There are more, but man, it sure does feel to me like Jed Hoyer's vision of how to put together a roster is at the very least informed with the certainty of the game going where the game is clearly going. And is that just, is that good on him for knowing that the game is going to shift back and being ahead of the curve and thinking about it like that? Cause he still has to add power and he will, of course, or did he know a couple years ago it was going this way because his good buddy Theo and he have been talking about it for 10 years, and as soon as Theo got the job, he knew it was going to happen sooner or later? Well, so two things. I think yes, but I don't think it's insider trading. Like This has been fairly well reported, and all and it's been happening at the minor leagues. And 
whatever Jed did to build this team, whatever you think about the strategy, they're not that good. Like it, 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 it's not. It's, I'm not saying they're going. I'm saying it's. In it's, light it's a, of the rules, it's awfully sensible to have a cost-efficient version of a team that plays to those rules and style of play. I understand. I'm just saying it's not like an insider trading where it's like I was alerted that, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I knew about uh, – I bought Zoom stock before the pandemic. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't think he has some sort of like crazy piece of insider information uh, that, nobody, that was proprietary that nobody else could see coming yeah. and, and, and all of that. Theo has been – Fairly public about sure. these things, but but did he lean into it with more certainty than other teams? Maybe he might have. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much, uh, how well equipped they are for it. And by the way, when you were talking about the other day when we got interrupted by uh, some of the breaking news about yeah. like a left fielder coming over and playing in short right field, yeah. and being kind of a, a pseudo infielder over uh-huh, there. Uh-huh. So, I mean. Ian Happ would be really good at that. Damn good at that. He's played he, the infield. Ian Happ grew up an infielder. Yeah. So and I, now he's an outfielder, and he can do that over there, and he's got speed. And if at third base, Christopher Morell has terrific speed and outfield skills to go back and play like yeah, that. Yeah, so I was thinking about how the Cubs would be uniquely qualified defensively to deal with some of those shift uh, parameters. I still would say, and maybe this is just beating a drum, uh-huh. but like, if the pitchers are going to be throwing at a tick less velocity, I want dudes that can hit the ball over the wall. Yeah, for sure. In theory, home runs should go up. Like, if, if it's not going to be as damaging of swing and miss stuff. And I understand that it's tough to find guys who can hit 40 home runs in free agency that are also good at defense and yeah. all of that sort of thing. But I I still look at the Cubs lineup and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Like, yeah. where is your power? And you said, of course, they will add it. And I'm sure at some point they will. Mm. But they've missed on a few opportunities to do so. Right. And I do worry about them being 18th in baseball in home runs or 20th in baseball in home runs. Totally understandable. And that putting a low ceiling on what this team can be because you can only win so many close games. It's going to be really interesting. Is Cody Bellinger, among many players around baseball, a guy who will benefit not just from the shift restrictions, but will benefit that people aren't throwing 98, 99 miles an hour every time. All of a sudden, you're getting some 93s and 94s and some 92s from starting pitchers and stuff. It you know there could be players on on both the Cubs and Sox roster, multiple rosters. Like all of a sudden they can they can get around on stuff a little bit better. And if that's the case, then maybe they don't have to guess and sit fastball every time because it's six or seven miles an hour less. Like there are so many little domino effects of of pitching theoretically going back to what he described as artful more than just a display of pure power. I'm going to say this a lot too, uh, leading up to opening day, and I'm sure into the first month of the season. Yeah. I love that they're doing it. It's so long overdue. We've been talking about this for years and years and years, and it's going to ruffle some feathers, and their players will be pissed, and there will be some awkward adjustment periods, and there will be some confusion, and there will be some pushback, and maybe there will even be some tinkering. Mm -hmm. Like Maybe there will be an unintended consequence that their 8,000 minor league games that they studied didn't provide because of the cameras and a stadium with second deck and eight-figure ball players, and you know, maybe, but it's still the right thing to do. The, the goal is the right thing to do. Pushing the game out of its comfort zone and its staleness is the right thing to it, do. It absolutely is. And and all these rules happening at the same time is going to have a Band-Aid effect where the first month might suck. 
but you're going to look up. Um, it's at, a means to an end. Oh, you, you, you're going to look up in May and certainly June, and the NBA playoffs are going to be over, and you're going to be waiting for a football training camp. And if you're just finally tuning into baseball, it's going to be a different version than you've tuned into the last few years. What is the lowest you'd be comfortable with Ryan Poles trading down in this draft? That's our Bears thought experiment of the day next on The Score.